and welcome to Horror Nights in Podcasts with me, your host, Crystal, where I talk about anything and all horror. So on this podcast, I give you my honest and horrific opinion on a different horror movie every week. I drop spoilers, I never lie, I always keep it real, sometimes I do specials, and sometimes I have co-hosts, which is the case for this evening. Uh, to keep up with all things horror and the Horror Nights in podcast, please join my Twitter family by following me at HorrorDaddiesRS. I have a ton of fun over there, I love interacting with you guys. I also just recently started doing giveaways, so definitely check it out if you have not been following me. Um... And also be sure to follow my podcast on uh, whatever uh, listening device you're using this on. And um, also make sure to subscribe so you know when um, I put up a new episode because sometimes I do bonus episodes like I did this week. So uh, this evening I do have a special guest, as I said, and everyone say hello to Patrick. Patrick is back. (laughs) Hello. So uh, this podcast is going to be a little bit different. So it is the last weekend of found footage February Um, so thank you so much guys for sticking with me through this whole month if you have been Um, so this evening we also going to be doing a review of happy death day to you because Patrick and I actually both got to see it Uh, Patrick actually saw it the day that it came out I saw it the weekend that it came out Um, so probably the first half of the show is going to be about that and then uh, the second half of the show is going to be um, our honest and horrific opinion on the Poughkeepsie tapes. So uh, let's see. Let me just grab my notes for Happy Death Day. So Happy Death Day came out uh, February 13th, 2019. I think it has a running time of 120 minutes. Um, and it was obviously released by Blumhouse, which was awesome. So I actually... Um, a spoiler alert already, guys. I really enjoyed this movie. I thought it was great. Patrick, what did you think about this movie? I loved it. I yeah. Mean, I, I, I really did. I had, I, I thought it was great. Like, I I loved everything from the beginning of the movie to the end. I liked that short little piece that was on, or that short little thing that was right after the, uh, the trailer, or I'm sorry, after the credits rolled. Um, I really had a lot of fun watching the movie. Um, so... I know that we were going to talk about um, some people's concerns with the movie and how some people didn't like the movie. Um, a lot of people thought it was misadvertised. Um, they thought that um, they basically thought that they were going to walk into a horror movie and they came out and it was actually like a comedy sci-fi kind of movie. So what are your mm-hmm. thoughts? What are your opinions and thoughts on that? Well, you know, I really... Uh... I don't really know where this misleading marketing thing came up because uh, mm-hmm. really I don't I don't believe in such such a thing. I know a lot of people will use uh, the Suicide Squad movie as as an example or this movie as an example where the the trailer gives you a a feeling that the movie is going to be about one thing and then when you go into the movie it's actually something completely different and. I don't know how anyone got the read off of that for this film because as soon as I saw the trailer, I knew, okay, we're going to get more sci-fi. We're going to get more into the explanation of why Tree went through the events of the first film. Uh, I understood it was probably going to abandon some of the horror elements that the first film had. And, you know, when you really go back and maybe part of this is because I managed to, you know, rewatch the first one again literally the same day yeah. before going to see the sequel. Yeah, Chris and, and I, we did the same thing. We watched the we watched um, Happy Death Day immediately before we went to the movies. Um, so that definitely fact, helped a I lot. Even, I even texted you, in fact, uh, and said, oh, hey, I bet this is going to be a huge plot point. Exactly. Uh, I forgot we were going to bring that up. Yes, that's exactly. And I told um, my significant other, Chris, I told him the same thing. Literally, as soon as we watched the movie or we left the movie theater, I was like, Patrick called the entire movie because he said it has to do with the blackouts. I was like, he yes. called the whole movie. He knew exactly what was going to happen. I That's exactly what I thought and what I said when we were leaving. <laughs> Right. So, you know, I kind of had a feeling that there was going to be something sci-fi to explain it. And, you know, it, it, so so when it went that way, I know you and I have a a mutual uh, friend on Twitter. We we both respect a lot. Absolutely. And I kind of had a, a, uh, I mean, it was not a big uh, disagreement, but, you know, he kind of said that 
this was a hard left turn yeah. from from the first film. And I was like, it, it's really not. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's going more into the comedy a little bit, yes, and it's going more into the sci-fi aspects. But I think that that was necessary for us to understand why the things of the, the events of the first film occurred. And there was no way that they were going to be able to do anything, I think, extremely shocking with the babyface killer that was going to kind of keep that horror element alive, mm-hmm. I think, that most of the people were going uh, or wanting from this film. So I, I just I didn't understand why so people were up in arms. And I think that there's actually a lot of hate now yeah, uh, from some people towards film, and it, you know they're per- they can be perfectly justified in how they feel. I'm not absolutely trying to say that their that their opinions or or their thoughts on it are invalid. I myself just I can't see where they felt like they were led wrong. Like I didn't see that trailer and go, "All right, I have this picture in my mind," and then go into the movie and be like, "Well, that's not what I had in mind," because I guess I just. I, I already felt it. You know, I already knew yeah. that that's where it was going to go. Yeah. So I I think I, before I saw the movie, I think I had only watched the trailer once or twice. So when I watched the trailer, I was under the assumption that the um, baby killer would be killing all of them. And it would be more um, like each of their different deaths, not so much mm-hmm. just Jessica Roth's character tree. I thought it was going to be... Now, in the beginning, we did have... Um, it kind of start immediately where it left off from Happy Death Day, right. which I did like. Um, and we got it from the perspective of um, his roommate. And, um, you know, Chris made a comment, too. He's like, oh, it started exactly where it left off. That was really cool. And I was like... And, and Chris even made a comment. He was like, he was like, wait, where was the roommate? And I was like, oh, the roommate was sleeping in his car. And I was like, I bet the beginning of the movie is going to be, we're going to see like him in his car. And it was funny because we, we, we did see that happen. Um, right. So there was, I mean, and I didn't really do like a ton of research on what the sequel was going to be about. I, like I said, I think I watched the trailer once or twice and was like, oh, okay, that's cool. Like I loved the first one. So I'm sure I'm going to love the second one. Um, and I, I did like the first one. I, I thought it was cool how it went into another dimension. And mm-hmm. usually I'm not really into like that sci-fi kind of movie. Like, don't come for me, please. But like, I'm not a fan of like Back to the Future or anything. Like, that's not just my, that's not what I like watching. And so, so then when we had that kind of aspect going on in this movie, I thought it was really interesting because I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, we're in another dimension. And in this dimension, her mo- her mother is alive. And in this dimension, um, we also have her not sleeping with her professor. But then we have, mm-hmm. like, we have, uh, what's the guy's name? What's the love interest? I, I forget what his uh, name Carter, is. Carter. Carter. Carter's dating Danielle, which was crazy. D- Danielle was still a piece of shit in, this, <laughs> in the other dimension. Yes. But Danielle is still my favorite, my favorite character. Um, and then we also have the story kind of taking on a different shape because we see that the killer is actually the doctor because, um, you know, he wants to kill the roommate. I thought that was good. And I was like, oh, shit, like that makes sense. We're in a completely other dimension. So this is what happens here. And I, I did like that. Now, the only part, and you could probably explain this a little bit more to me. Okay. At the end, when the when it's revealed that the doctor is the killer, what? why is the wife all of a sudden involved? Like, did, did the doctor... They, they planned it together. Oh, she, okay. It was, it was I, I believe it's more, it was more of her idea that no woman was going to steal her man. And that, so she was kind of taking control of the situation by planning the murder and then, but not realizing that, you know, Gregory still wanted out of that relationship and, you know, obviously does the turnaround on her and shoots her. Okay. But uh, I believe that's why. Okay. Now the kid, that makes sense because I was just like a little confused as to why all of a sudden she is a part of this. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess, I guess she wanted to see the mistress dead and the doctor just went along with it so that he could ultimately kill his wife because he wanted a divorce. Another layer to the twist because you may have, I mean, I kind of had a feeling it was going to be him, especially during the scene where um, Jessica Roth uh, trees is uh, kind of going through that same thing where she's at the hospital and they're going, Oh, you know, you have all these injuries. You should be dead. Yeah. And then she goes, you know, Oh, go save Lori. And 
you know, it all ends up, of course, resetting the loop because she gets murdered. It was like, mm-hmm. it, it just seems kind of very convenient. So I think that they were trying to add another layer of, of, of a shock. One you didn't really see coming from a character who's not been prevalent in either film. She's just kind of there for a couple of scenes. And you'd be like, oh, okay, that I wasn't expecting. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that... Um... I'm trying to remember what else I wanted to kind of touch on. Um, I did like the fact that um, going back to my favorite character, that Danielle kind of was stuck at the end in this in that in that loop when the the government wanted to. Uh, they're like, "Oh, we need a test subject," and Jessica Roth is like, "Oh, I have the perfect subject." Um, and I also like the fact that even though they were in another dimension, like Carter and Tree still ended up like having feelings for each other. I did like that. Yeah. Um, I did get a little teary-eyed when she had to say goodbye to her mom. Um, yeah. I did like that part. And it, it was funny, though, during the movie, I was like, is she really going to choose Carter over her mother? And then, but then it, then they did, like, the, uh, it was just written so well. Um, yeah. That it she was Christopher Landon, the writer and director of this movie, he did it so well that he made it it basically say like her mom without Tree explaining it and her mom thinking she's crazy that to choose love because then she wouldn't be the person she was if she didn't have Tree, um right. and that made it like oh okay like yeah she needs to make sure that she goes back to her normal dimension and that she fixes her life in that dimension and she ends up with Carter. So I did like that. But, you know, it was also a natural progression from the first film because, you know, we already understand from the first film she was kind of broken by her mother's death. Yeah. And, you know, she, even at the beginning of this film when, you know, she realizes, well, I thought this was a whole big grand plan to kind of make me a better person for, you know, yes. that's what my mom would have made mm-hmm. me do. But it's a stupid science experiment. And yet there's still a greater plan there because by putting her in this extra dimension or this other dimension and seeing her mom alive and wanting to have that kind of go back to that selfish tree a little bit. That yeah. Were, you know, mm-hmm. she wants what she wants, but then having those conversations with her mom and, and like her mom imparting kind of like her final words her final wisdom and allowing, because one thing that Trini says at, at the beginning of the film is she never got to say goodbye. Yeah. And this was kind of the, you know, the cosmic uh, destiny to, she didn't get to say go- goodbye to her mom at, the, at that point in her life, but through these kind of crazy events, she gets to say goodbye in the right way to mm-hmm. her mom. And, and like you said, it, it was a very emotional scene. And this film, Again, and, and this thing I think is something that everyone, even critics of the film across the board, will all agree. The film is carried by Jessica Roth. I mean, she oh, does absolutely. such a fantastic job as Tree. I, I, my favorite montage scene, and I think this montage scene outdoes the montage scene from the first film. My favorite uh, one is where she goes uh, skydiving out of the plane. <laughs> yeah. She's uh, got the middle fingers and slow motions, right? Because she's doing Yes. Right and of, she falls uh, right in. <laughs> I do remember that the... scene. I forgot about that scene. I liked that. Yeah. Yes. That was a really good scene. Um, yes. It reminded me of the first one when she tries to figure out who her killer is. Um Okay, yeah, that's interesting. I, I totally forgot about that scene. I really, I can't wait for this movie to come out on um, digital copy so that I'm able to own it because um, Happy Death, the first one was so good. I, I thought it was going to be super cheesy the first time I saw it. I did do a whole podcast on this movie. So if you guys haven't listened, go check that out. I'll link it in there. Um, so I did I did really enjoy the first one and I liked it a lot. And I, I had no preconceived notion about the movie and I usually don't I like to go into my horror movies without reading anything without kind of just maybe watching the trailer once or twice and coming up with my own idea and then going to go see it um and I think I have to give happy death day to kind of a pass for not being super horror just because when we watched the first one it still had that horror comedy element to it and a little bit of sci-fi. It just, the second one, you know, the sequel just went more in-depth on that and we can't be mad at it for doing that because what else could have happened in the sequel that would have been different? Like, 
they would have had it from a different point of view and it would have been a different killer. But then it's like, well, we love Jessica Roth so much and, it, and the movie would have sucked if it if she wasn't more in it. And then we well, would have complained. You know what I mean? Like I would have been like, I really wish that they would have put her more in there, but they did. And it was her continuing to die, but for a completely different reason. And I think that they, I think the sequel is fantastic. Do now, do you prefer the first one or the second one, Patrick? In all honesty, I can't separate the two. I think mm-hmm. that they are, uh, in all honesty, I think they are movies to be viewed together as yeah. one piece. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, if, and I know it's not done great in the box office, which I am, I'm very upset that yeah. uh, people are not getting out to see this movie because it, it, it's it's creative. It is it is fresh. It, it takes kind of maybe some stale stories from other films and stuff and kind of gives it a new life. And um, really, I, if, if they get to do a third one, one, I hope it doesn't just focus on Danielle. I, I hope that was just more like a joking. <laughs> I don't uh, think it will. <laughs> I don't see her being a, a strong enough uh, characters kind of lead this on into the third. I think it needs to be the final part to Tree's story. Um, I think really because they kind of throw in a little thing is they don't know why the device went off in the first place. Uh, you okay. know, Ryan is when they're when he gets to his science buddies, and that was one little complaint I had. There's a, a female science character, mm-hmm. and they do not mention her name like at all in the movie and I, I felt like it was a little disservice to the actress oh I, I didn't even notice that, that oh, I didn't, oh I didn't even notice that I wonder what her yeah. name would be in the oh it's right here but it doesn't say as anybody her name is Sarah Yarkin um, I yeah. believe and yeah it doesn't or it's I'm sorry it doesn't even say it says or they, they had it in the credits of the film but it, it's it's like maybe Megan or something it wasn't but they never really say her name they may have said it once in the entire film and that kind of it took me out of the film a little bit as I was watching it because I'm keep going. Oh, what's her name? What's her name? Oh, her name? I didn't even and notice that. I she did such a wonderful job in the role. But uh, if they were to go and do a third one, I think that it would have to go and be that for some reason because of all these kind of events, something happens to where maybe the events don't transpire and that tree actually has to be the person to cause the device to go off, to set her through these chain of events, Mm -hmm. uh, to come around full circle and to complete her story. I that's that's where I would like a third film to go. And I know that Chris Rolandon has an idea for the third one. I just hope that maybe it does better in the second week for in the box office or, uh, you know, I, I just I really hope that they don't abandon this mid midstream. Like if it were to be the final movie in this in this story, I guess that's okay. But I would really like to see a, a final cap to it. Yeah, yeah. It didn't. It it came in like fifth place for box office, which is crazy because it was such a good movie. Um, it looks like it's only at eleven point one million dollars right now, which is not all that great considering how the movie probably costed a lot more than that to make um and mind you i i don't know if it was released worldwide yet or if it was just Uh, just around here um and like these just just rotten tomatoes and i'm just looking at top box office um so that's interesting. I'm um, trying to think if there's anything else that we would need to cover about this movie. Um, so I actually prefer the... F- yeah, I mean, I guess it's like you said. It's it's all kind of one movie. But I, if I had to pick which one I would watch, I'd probably watch the first one again. Um, but that's just my opinion on it. Um, but I did like how the second movie kind of brought us out of more than just Tree's world. It kind of brought it more into the public I guess if that would make sense because it brings in all the friends and then it brings in like the government so it's not just affecting tree anymore it's kind of affecting everybody else right um so I did like that aspect of it um I would like to see um a third one that would be fun I I mean I couldn't even imagine what it would be besides what you said which would make sense um the one thing that I guess I still have a question of is why Tree? Why her? Um, and I don't believe that the question was actually answered. Like, why is yeah. she the one that's chosen 
why is she the one that that keeps dying and remembers everything? And you know what I'm saying? Like, was it just right. coincidence or is it something that would be explained in the third movie? But then like, who would explain it? And then it would be like, I think I feel like that would get even more sci-fi because it would be like this whole big thing, like like aliens. I don't know. <laughs> well, so well, there's a, th- this is why I think like it would have to be, uh, you know, maybe not necessarily the tree from this film uh, or from this world uh, being the one who causes it, but possibly a tree from one of the other dimensions Yeah. Uh, who, you know, didn't go on to actually learn these life lessons. Okay. And she's the one who's responsible for causing this to happen. So there's a, a, a film, I'll be very brief on this, but yeah, it's, no, a, it's no a Spanish uh, horror sci-fi called Time Crimes. And it's a very good film. I, I highly recommend it. If you, if it's got an English dub, but if you can stand the subtitles, uh, you know, do the subtitles. It, it basically, you have a, a man who kind of witnesses a, uh, a crime and it goes to try to, I think, believe like save this, this young woman ends up, uh, on the property uh, in the hills of, the, of where he kind of lives and out in the country, he ends up actually on a, in a, uh, a laboratory and it turns out that this laboratory te- is testing time travel and he believes now he's being chased by this guy. And there's a, an attendant there in the laboratory who goes, okay, well get in this machine to hide from him. You know, he doesn't know I'm here or something like that. Well, it ends up sending him back in time and he ends up actually creating this time loop that he is the person that is actually this kind of masked killer chasing him around and, every, and he's kind of putting himself through the whole thing. So although he goes back to try to prevent this from happening, he's causing it to happen. Mm-hmm. And okay. so I feel if they kind of do something like that yeah. with a third film, okay. that, that could wrap everything up in a nice little bow for us. That would be cool. So you guys heard it here on Horror Nights and Podcast that Patrick just predicted the <laughs> the trilogy of <laughs> Happy Death Day. <laughs> Um, all right. Is there anything else you wanted to kind of add about Happy Death of Day to you? I, I would urge anyone that's listening, if you haven't seen it, go see it. Um, even though, you know, I, I really feel like the critics have skewed this a lot. Um, I, I still think it's a great movie. And I think that people should, if you like the first one, you know, do it justice and go see the sequel. So that's all I've got to say is go out there, support this film, support Blumhouse. Yeah, uh, absolutely. More- more movies like this we uh, blumhouse is doing now they don't all have hits um but you know blumhouse is doing great horror even they really are not so great horror films are still good horror films oh they're so good i'm so happy that um they were the producers of get out because i feel like get out was just such an incredible movie and now we have us we have us coming oh, out. I'm so ready for us. Yeah, they showed the extended trailer right before Happy mm-hmm. Death Day to you. I was so excited, and they showed the other trailer for Greta, which actually comes out March first, which I want to see. And the trailer. Did you get to see the trailer the, for Ma? Uh, yes, and they showed the Pet Cemetery one. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, saw. Th- yeah, we did get Pet Cemetery. Yeah, it was. Show. Yep, it was all of them. Um, I did see the trailer for Ma. It was a little weird. Um, I remember seeing things like pop up on my Twitter, but I didn't know what it was. All I so, saw was like the little catchphrase of like oh something about like get the kids or something um mm-hmm. but yeah then i was like as soon as i saw the the main actress i the black lady i can't remember what her name is off the top. Spencer. yes when she popped up on the screen i was like oh this is that movie that i keep seeing pop up on twitter mm-hmm. um so it kind of reminds me a little bit of greta if you've seen the previous for Greta, did you yeah, see that yet? A little bit. So a little bit uh, more of that. I've ob- seen the trailer for that, yeah. A little obsessive, kind mm-hmm. of like a little weird, like too obsessed with kids kind of thing. But Greta, well, Greta and Ma from, are different. I think from uh, Ma, though, I think it's actually going to be more of a revenge story because it seems from from just from the trailer. And I, I guess okay, I that's all I've that's seen, interesting. Is that she's uh, that these kids that she's kind of trying to be the cool adult with or, you know, have them party her house, that they are all the kids of people she went to high school with. Oh. And that they on her, and this is her trying to get revenge. That's right. Okay, that did make sense because I do remember towards the end of the, the trailer, like, I think one of the parents is like, oh, who? how do you know this person? I think that's what mm-hmm. happened. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. And then Greta is more... 
of a woman who I think loses her daughter and her husband or something like that. And then she's trying to replace the daughter figure with the girls that she finds on the subways and then gets too obsessed and ends up like killing them or something. So right. I'm interested in seeing both those movies. So there's a bunch Same. of movies coming out. I'm so excited. Mm-hmm. So we have Pet Cemetery coming out. Oh, Child's Play. I talked about that on my last um, yep. my last podcast. Um, and then we have Ma. We have Us. And then... The other one that we were talking about, I forget. Oh, Greta. And then, um, yeah, I'm excited. I'm super excited to see what's in store. So I, I love Blumhouse. I applaud them so much. I'm so happy that they're kind of becoming more credible as a production company. Yeah. And it's nice that it's mostly horror movies that they like to dip their toes into. Um, and coming from a guy who wasn't uh, wasn't really a horror movie person. I mean, that's Yeah, that's Jason the, Blum, right? Thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I love, I like Jason Blum. I like following him on Twitter. He's funny. Um, Which we might as well, since we're talking about him, to give him a happy birthday shout out. Yeah, it is his birthday. birthday. It is. Yep, I I saw that. So that would be cool to meet him one day. So maybe one day. Maybe one day. Just to shake his hand and be like, thanks for doing all you can for horror. Yes. All right, guys. So let's get into the final uh, movie for found footage February. Um, so this movie is called the Poughkeepsie Tapes, and there's kind of an air of mystery around this movie, or around this film, that Patrick and I will get into a little bit further into the podcast, but I'm just going to start, uh, with my normal, so first I'm going to, uh, give you the Rotten Tomatoes, and the IMDb rating, uh, short synopsis, and then we're gonna discuss the movie, um, we're gonna talk about the plot, the characters, and then ending with our overall and honest, uh, Honest and horrific opinion on this movie, so definitely stick around till the end. So Rotten Tomatoes um, gave the Poughkeepsie tapes a 50%, uh, 50% of the audience liking it, and IMDb gave it a 6.1 out of 10. Uh, this movie was directed and written by John Eric Dwaddle and was released on February 2nd, 2007, with a running time of 86 minutes. Um, this gore-filled documentary-style film was um, also had the same director um, as Quarantine. Um, So basically we have in an abandoned house in Poughkeepsie, New York, um, a murder investigators uncover hundreds of tapes uh, showing decades of a serial killer's work. Um, So in, and then I have another synopsis, but it's really long. So I'm not going to read it all right now. Um, So basically, in 2001, police in Poughkeepsie, New York, made a shocking discovery. Ten bodies were buried in the backyard of a residential home. Um, Astonishingly, this was only the beginning. Inside the home, the police uncovered over 800 neatly organized videotapes detailing the exploits of one man's decade-long crime spree. So, um, I have to say, the only thing I liked about this movie was that it was in a mockumentary style and that it was a horror movie. Everything else, um, <laughs> I wasn't really a fan of. Spoiler alert, guys. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I guess the most disturbing part of this was that the killer filmed all the footage himself. Um, from the beginning of him stalking his victims to the last second that they were alive. Um, so basically, we have we have testimonials from like expert like criminal experts from police um and they towards the end we even get a um interview with one of the victims um and then we have interspersed in there are kind of the killer's own camera work um so it actually started in 1988 so patrick what is your opinion of this movie <laughs> you know this film kind of a, a mythological presence in my life. I remember mm-hmm. uh, seeing the trailer. Um, let me make sure that this was right. Um, okay, yeah, so it was, it was attached, the trailer was attached to some films in, back in 07, so I would have been it was, you know, senior year It started, uh, I think it was a preview before The Mist, I believe. So yeah, they, that they, could very well be. Yeah, they dropped this trailer and, before they, oh. they had Mist, so... And, the uh, so I remember being like super excited. It's found footage. It's uh, you know a serial killer. Uh, in the trailer, I, I remember vaguely because it's been so long uh, that I was I 
was like very excited for this film. Mm -hmm. And then it vanished. Um, it, it, it got pulled from, uh, from a theatrical release. Uh, yeah. Now, as I look at the, the IMDb trivia, they said that there's no, there was no reason for the pulling uh, that was ever ever explained. Yeah. But I, I could have sworn that there were things about it being too graphic. There or was, too yeah. Realistic I... or that it was too shocking. And so it kind of had this, you know, presence. And then I was, you know, I was like, man, this is the one movie uh, that I'm never going to get to see. And then... Uh, Screen Factory uh, released it just yeah. about two years ago mm-hmm. on home release, and, and I had been out on also on video demand and and whatnot, uh, maybe a couple of years before that, and I never got around to it on video demand. And then you know we discussed about doing it for the podcast, and so yeah. I was like, okay, I'm gonna buy it. Yeah. So I, I I bought it, I put it in, and I I was just let down. I yeah. Mean, I didn't find any of it shocking. I mean, it's it's. It's not poorly done, but it feels like it's almost like a, a, a student film. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some weird, like, no explanation as to why the, the, the killer's camera kind of changes color schemes or goes a little kind of hazy-ish. Uh, there's nothing that I found excessively uh, gruesome or shocking. Yeah. There's only one... Two particular scenes that kind of get yeah. me in. Uh, one is where he has got a woman uh, kind of chained up. She's got tape over her mouth, and the camera's in front of her, and he kind of comes walking in the room with yeah. his hands and, and feet, and he's got his um, two masks on, one to kind of make it look like his head's upside down, and he kind of just slowly you know, crawls over to her and then stands up and then he he puts these two needles into her neck and and the blood kind of comes out of her mouth and then it gets the tape that one was i thought very well shot scene i thought it was very interesting it was a little creepy and then the um the interview with cheryl dempsey at the near the end of the film and you kind of see uh how she looks after she had been abducted and tortured she lost her her uh, I believe her left hand yeah because uh, like you're you're sitting there and they're talking to her and then all of a sudden she goes to kind of like brush her hair Scratch a little her head bit and or realize, something oh, her hand's gone yeah and uh, and that she you know kind of Stockholm syndrome yeah thing absolutely going on where she kind of fell in love with him because she'd been she didn't know her life before him anymore mm-hmm. uh, at that point but other than that like I mean it just didn't it didn't do anything for me. Yeah, I have to agree. Um, I didn't really see anything I hadn't already seen. It was a little cliche. Um, the film didn't really stick with me. It didn't freak me out um, like some other found footage has before. Um, but like as you said, I think the reason it was so popular is because it kind of disappeared. And we were given little to no reason as to why it was pulled. Um, and we didn't really hear about it for a long time until it was released, um, you know, um, that one time, and then it was re-released with Scream Factory. Um, but I'm, I don't know, maybe the reason that I didn't, I was a little unimpressed was because ever since then, I've seen way more disturbing things. And I feel like maybe I've become a little desensitized to- towards it. Um, but when this movie was released, if it had stayed in theaters, um, I think it would have been a little bit scarier because I believe 2007 was when, um, the first Paranormal Activity movie came out. Um, and that movie kind of outshined a lot of different horror movies. But then like during that year was, I think when it started to be more torture porny. So like we had like the host, the sequel to Hostel and we had like Mm -hmm. the fourth Saw, I believe, um, so it's just strange to remember that this film would be taken out of theaters. Um, maybe it's because, I mean, I have theories, maybe it's because people thought it was real, but then everybody thought the Blair Witch Project was real too, and that wasn't taken from theaters. Same with Paranormal Activity. I'm, to right. this day, have tried to convince my friend Tara that the Paranormal Activity movies are fake. She thinks that it's real. She <laughs> thinks the she thinks that the actress who played... Um, the main character is still missing. And I'm like, no, sweetie, yeah. it's an actress. Like, none of it's real. <laughs> um, so, 
I, I just maybe the reason that it was taken from theaters was because it seemed to be getting outshined by paranormal activity. So maybe the production company was just like, let's try and take this out of theaters quietly, see if anybody notices and then see if it, you know, maybe in like 10 years we'll re-release it. And then everyone can be like, oh, I remember seeing that movie. So that's kind of my theory behind it. But I don't really know um, because of the reviews that it got. Like people... People didn't say negative things about it. I believe it was at the Tribeca Film Factory or Film Festival. And um, there wasn't a lot of – they said the reason that it was pulled because it wasn't getting good results or it wasn't getting good feedback at the the film festival. But everything that came out, like the people who saw it said it was great. So I don't know. That's just my theory was that I think it was released around the same time that Paranormal Activity was released. And I think that Paranormal Activity was getting um, way more attention than this movie. So they pulled it to try and see if it would do anything. And then they had this like whole big mastermind scheme behind the whole thing to make it. But I don't know because then then in the later years it wasn't released on anything streaming. You can't find it unless you physically order the copy or if you do like illegal download or something. You know what I'm saying? So that's another thing that was like maybe the filmmakers just gave up on it I don't know so I I I I really would like to know the main reason behind it because it can't be because it's gruesome because it's not gruesome because yes it's it's there are some parts that are disturbing so the scene that actually made that actually got me the most disturbed was the first scene that we see Cheryl um I believe it's Cheryl Dempsey is her name um when she was kind of like hogtied I thought that was very disturbing but the the scene where um, he's got the two like needles on his on his on his fingers that part was creepy, but I actually had seen that scene before, so okay. it didn't get to me as much as it would somebody who's never seen it. Um, and then the other scene that was was the part where they're doing the interview with her. I thought that was crazy um, yeah. because she literally was like, I don't know what you want me to say. I don't know what you want me to say because he held her captain for so long and he told her everything that she was allowed to say and everything that she wasn't allowed to say. So it would make sense. Absolutely Stockholm Syndrome to the max. Um so the serial killer himself did fascinate me because we got to see it from his point of view. His voice was actually really creepy too. Um, I also liked how he only appears on the camera in like a white mask when he when he's dressed like the plague doctor. Um, for some oh. for some reason that mask has always been kind of scary for me. But I think that's because when I was growing up, when I was younger, like second or third grade, we would study the plague and we would see these doctors with those like beak masks on so I think when I saw that it kind of resonated with me like a little bit when I was younger and I remember seeing that that those photos and being really creeped out um so I think that's maybe why that part freaked me out um as I said I like the mockumentary aspect of it because I do love like all the Netflix documentaries about the serial killers so I did like that how they interviewed and then then when they went into the classroom of like the future FBI agents and they said you know these things now the guy that was teaching that class was super cheesy like the acting in this movie wasn't all that great (laughs) um so but there's just uh, there are so many things around this film that um I had a lot of questions like that weren't really answered. Like, did the killer leave the tapes intentionally? Um, did the tapes hold holding hidden clues? Like, is he still out there? Like, it's just, you know, it it kind of was it was like I watched it and then I was just like, that's it. That's all that happens. <laughs> um, like I was waiting for these crazy, nasty, grotesque scenes with like a bunch of crazy shit happening. Now, there was a really creep, nasty scene. Remember when he gets into the car with the couple and his car broke down and he says, oh, there's a gas station over here. Um, and they get into the they get into the car and um, he obviously kills them. And then we have like the coroner say, Um, So basically, it involves the killer performing a C-section on an unconscious young woman and placing her husband's severed head inside her stomach before sewing her back up and filming her response. Now, I don't know if it's because of the... um, the way that I watched this, but I don't remember her him filming her response. Do you remember that at all? 
Like that doesn't sound yeah. familiar to me. Yeah. So that's why I think that the 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 versions that you and I watched are not the same versions that other people have watched, which would make sense. It could be, and there, and maybe I haven't uh, delved into the special features. Maybe there's some stuff in the special features that might have maybe. additional scenes or something like that. I don't know. Maybe, but I just feel like there was so much mystery around this movie because it was so gruesome. Like, people have put this movie up there with, like, Cannibal Holocaust and everything. And I'm just like, I don't I don't see that. I really don't see that at all. You know, there's, there's a movie um, that I, I would recommend that kind of does this a little bit better. And, and it even holds back a lot more from the, of the horror, not necessarily the horror elements, but showing. It does more telling than it does showing, but it does it in such an effective way. And I believe it might still be streaming on Amazon Prime. It's called Savage Land, and it is thought to be it's a it's a kind of like this mockumentary style where they are talking about uh, a person that they have uh, in custody who they believe basically murdered this whole small town, and it and it's based told through you know graphs and and you know interviews and stuff like that that really kind of what it was was more of a uh, a zombie movie. And, and and it's really well done, and it's done. I feel like in a better way than than this was done. And not that this is poorly done, but it, but there's more. Even though that film Savage Land shows shows less, what it tells you is the horrifying bits. It really yeah the zombie stuff you don't see except maybe in still photographs. So you don't see it in action, and and it's still kind of horrific to think like, man, this man went through all this stuff. Whereas this, it, it, it does the telling, or it does, does. The showing along with the telling, yeah. it's not, it, it's not effective. It's, it's not, not at it, all. Like, I wasn't perturbed. Me go, oh my God, I'm going, like, cause you have the one FBI agent who says, oh, I had to watch all these tapes and I couldn't sleep more than yeah. an hour for uh, and my, months. And his, his wife. There was nothing that we saw that, uh, that would give me that type of reaction now obviously if this were a real thing that would be stuff that they probably wouldn't be allowed to show but for a movie like this it needs to show that to give the audience uh that type of reaction you want if you're having a seasoned fbi agent having a visceral reaction to Mm -hmm. the tapes he has to watch for his job your audience should be having that reaction as well. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And like, I, and maybe it's just because the acting wasn't all that great. So it came off a little cheesy to me when he was like, my wife wouldn't let me touch her for a month for only watching 30 no, minutes of the, or, uh, yeah. oh yeah, a year after watching only 30 minutes of this, of the, of the tapes. And I'm like, I kind of, I kind of started with just like, uh, <laughs> okay. And then like, and then they had like the, the, I think I think it, maybe it was just the acting that wasn't all that great. I don't know what it was. I think it was just I know, so many people on Twitter are so excited about this movie. And I had a couple people even DM me and was like, oh, my God, you're going to do the Poughkeepsie tapes. Like, I can't wait to hear what you have to say about this movie. And obviously, I'm going to give you my honest opinion on the movie. Was it good? Sure. Do I wish there was more? Yeah. Would I watch it again? Probably not. Um... But, you know, like I said, I'm never going to I'm never going to not tell somebody to watch a movie. I think that if you want to watch this movie, absolutely go watch it. Form your own opinion on it. Um, But for me personally, I thought I was going to love this movie. Like I was so excited for it. And Patrick actually watched it before I did. And he said, you know, I'm curious to see how you felt about this movie because and and. Guys, Patrick doesn't say, like, whether he likes movie or if he doesn't. He literally, I will beg him in text message to tell me things about movies, and he won't tell me. So don't think that I had any preconceived notion about this movie at all. He literally just said, I'm just curious to see what you think. And I was like, oh, my God, why? Like, tell me. And he's like, well, he's like, we can talk about it after you watch it. <laughs> um so don't think that he's sitting there telling me like, oh, um, I don't know if you're going to like this movie. I don't know. I don't know. He's just like, I'm curious to see how you, how, what you think about it. Um, 
So I, I just, it was a letdown. It really was, this film was just a letdown. And it makes me sad because I really, I loved the idea of this movie. I love the idea of finding these crazy tapes from a serial killer and the whole, you know, both sides, good and evil sides fighting, um, you know, the the documentary part of it. I, I really was excited. And then it kind of just didn't do anything for me. And that sucks because I really wanted to love this movie. I really wanted to add it into something that I enjoyed and that I would love rewatching. So... I don't but, know. You know, one, one, and you just, and you just, uh, you know, dropped your, your specialty, uh, recently about this, that did kind of the, the, the tapes thing better was, yep. um, butterfly oh kiss, butter, butterfly uh, kisses. Uh, butterfly <laughs> kisses. Uh, I was like, I didn't know uh, if you were uh, like, you had to I'm sneeze sorry, or something. I, <laughs> because I do have the Poughkeepsie tapes kind of playing on in the background. Oh, okay. There is, there is an end credit scene and this is possibly the, re- this is the reaction. I got this the end. I have to... the end. I watched the end credit scene. I went all the, when she, he's like, don't blink or I'll kill you. I watched that. That's, I think that's him doing doing the, the head thing at that point. Too. Oh. It is, it is the woman. Uh, it, that or it's just saying he's still, he's still active. Oh, so okay. Too. I did not catch that when I first watched this. I, I did, and, uh, I, and I forgot to tell you, yes, go all the way to the end of the credits because I did do that, and I was just like, okay, whatever. Like, don't blink, girl. Okay, like, she's got a blink. What are you talking about? Before I got distracted was, uh, you know, the fountain tapes thing was done a lot better uh, in Butterfly Kisses. Oh, it's such they, a good movie. They intercut it with, with the, the main character's story at great moments and, and followed along with not that this doesn't follow along the narrative but the tapes are more sequential whereas these tapes here one it shows tapes when a uh, tape when he first starts then it shows a tape where it gets better then it shows a little bit of some random stuff and then it shows the cheryl dempsey stuff and for what uh the one fbi agent says oh starting from here and then he walks down maybe the length of about like a hundred oh yeah and he goes from here, or all show Dempsey. We maybe see a uh, three. Yeah. Like you know, so we don't get enough. Like yes, we we feel bad for for Cheryl Dempsey at the end of the movie, but we didn't get to really see all that. We we get told what she went through, but we don't get to really kind of see. Yeah, like I wanted to see, I wanted to see her hand get cut off. Like what the hell happened to her hand? Like all we really got to see her was that she was tied up. She got her face in the water a couple times in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And, and guys, I'm not, I'm not sitting here saying like, I want to see her tortured, but I, I just feel like there was just, yes, there was this huge buildup of like 700 tapes of just her. And we only got to see a very small portion of it. And, oh, did you catch the part when the two little girls come in, um, the two little girl scouts come in and Sh- Cheryl is actually the, uh, the table. Did you notice that? No, I did not. So I'm pretty, I'm, I'm like 90% sure that um, he's like, oh, girls, why don't you let yourselves out? And then it kind of, the camera pans a little bit towards the girls leaving. And then he rips the sheet off of the coffee table, so to speak. And it's Cheryl. And she's the coffee table. But, and then there's, I'm pretty sure that's what happens. So, but you'll have to go back and rewatch it if, if you want to. <laughs> I'm not going to rewatch well, it again. I mean, it's, it's definitely not a, not a film I won't revisit. It's just, I, you know, I had this big, you know, grand, like, oh my gosh, this is going to be a, kind of my like white whale, you know, mm-hmm. it's going to be the movie that I was yeah. never going to get to watch. And then when, oh yeah, here I get to watch it. Eh. And then um, I'm just I'm let down, you know. I'm, yeah. I'm disappointed. Yeah, I watched. Um, yep, I watched the Poughkeepsie tapes, and then I watched it on a Monday, and then I think I or Sunday, and then I watched Butterfly Kisses a couple days later, and I was like, Butterfly Kisses is an extremely good movie, and a thousand times better than the Poughkeepsie tapes, um, and that's just how I feel about it. And you know, I'm. Maybe in the maybe if I had seen it in two thousand seven when I was right. eighteen, then I might have been a little bit more horrified. I think that I would, but I mean, we've just had so many more found footage films come out since between now and two thousand seven. Um, I you know we've had the 
this the same similar idea with VHS and VHS 2 where they find a room full of videotapes and then they play them and there's you know horrific things on on those tapes um those are other I liked those found footage films oh, I, 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 I liked them. them a lot they were very good they were very gruesome they were like exactly what you would expect to be on a creepy ass blank VHS tape in a creepy house like I loved those I thought those were done very well um so I don't know maybe we just were maybe we already saw the Poughkeepsie tapes as VHS and we were kind of just like well VHS did it better than Poughkeepsie tapes so I don't know I don't know. know. Maybe we just, I don't want to say that we're desensitized because there's still things that I watch that freak me out and I don't like it. Um, But I, I I just wish that the film had done, done better. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I just, it it, it didn't quite, it it felt like it played it a little, a little safe, you know, which is weird to say about, about a movie like this. It's just like it, it, it just didn't go that extra step. Like, honestly, if you're going to release something like House of a Thousand Corpses in theater, yes. honestly, that that is far more, I think, gruesome and uh, well, shocking. Well, so is Hostile. the Poughkeepsie tapes. So is Hostile and Hostile 2. Oh, yeah. Hostile came out before the Poughkeepsie tapes came out. Um, so that's why I was like, there's no reason that this movie, but I don't know, like I said, maybe it's because people saw and they thought it was real and they were too freaked out about it and they complained about it or something. I I don't know. There was never a real reason, but I don't think there was a real reason. I mean, there, there obviously is, but not publicly known. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I don't know. Who knows? Maybe the tapes are watching are real. (laughs) Maybe. I know. I'm just saying no they're not um but yeah I was really excited about this movie and I was let down and it sucks but I mean it's okay maybe they'll redo it maybe they'll do like a a Poughkeepsie Tapes remake and they'll make it like actually super gruesome that'd be kind of cool um so but that I would be interested in seeing like a remake of the movie um but I think that's all I gotta say Pat do you have anything else to add all right, guys. So thank you so much for listening to Found Footage February. It was so much fun. I wanted to say thank you to Patrick again. He joined me on a couple of the episodes. Um, and next month, um, I do have another theme, but you will find out March 1st what the theme for March will be. Um, so there you have it. Our honest and horrific opinion on the Poughkeepsie tapes and also a little happy death day to you thrown in there in the beginning. Did you like the Poughkeepsie tapes? Did you hate it? What is your honest and horrific opinion on this movie? So thank you so much for listening to this episode of Horror Nights in Podcast with me, uh, Crystal and Patrick. Um, please remember to follow my podcast on whatever app you use. And if you guys do use iTunes, please rate me and comment. I love giving you guys a shout out. All right, guys, I think that's going to be it. I will chat with you next week for another episode of Horror Nights in Podcast. Bye, guys. Bye.